0: Welcome back to Dollars and Dragons. Uh, We have with us today, Shireen. Shireen, if you'd like to introduce yourself.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Shireen Poon. Uh, I am the head of customer and the head of operations at Start Playing Games.
0: Wonderful. And when did you join the team?
1: I'm actually a pretty recent ad. I only joined the team this past uh, May of 2022. So almost a year coming up.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, I guess you... Well, I started seriously running, I guess, in like the very end of December, beginning of January. I just tell people January because I like things to be neat. I did run a few games prior to that, I suppose. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> But actually, yeah, you were supposed to join one of my my two shots, and then that never fired. But uh, we'll get into that and why I'm a terrible GM and why that game didn't fire. How do you normally interact with the GMs on start playing games?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple ways that I interact with GMs. Um, one is just in our community Discord, so people can at mention me in the channels. Um, people can directly message me. Um, it just kind of depends on the person. It seems of like how they want to interact with me. But it's uh, and then the, the other uh, the other end, the other side would be when GM's message in to support. So there's either some safety issues that are happening that they need to let me know about or, um, you know, standard like, hey, I'm new and I don't know how to cancel this. Um, so that's those are the two major ways that people reach out to me. Gotcha.
0: Um, does no one read the frequently asked questions part of the website?
1: I th- think that some people do, but obviously, they don't really ask me questions. I, the only people that come to me are the, those I think that don't read the <laughs> FAQs.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like that's, I don't know. Maybe I, not to disparage anyone, but I feel like that maybe that's like an older generation thing to do is like to check if there's an FAQ on the website or something. Well, is that, that...
1: You know, there's also folks with disabilities, they have trouble looking oh, at the things like that. So, you know, I'm, I have done and I'm happy to jump on like voice calls with people who are maybe hard of vision, hard of vision. Um, you know, like those those who are hard of hearing will just straight up message me and let me know that voice chats don't work. I'm like, that's perfectly fine. So um, I do try to make the FAQs uh, as easy to get to and understand as possible so there's videos in each one of the faqs as well as written instructions but you know still some people understand better by talking
0: that makes sense um from an accessibility standpoint that totally makes sense i guess i guess it just means that you're just overworked all the time huh
1: well, luckily, I have uh, a, one teammate who helps me with, like, tickets and things, Hunter, who I think you've had on the show before. Yeah, so I probably would die without him, so please be nice to Hunter if you ever interact with him.
0: Yeah, finally, I'm no longer competing with Hunter for that um, the, that top three oh. position. He finally recruited him so that I don't have to slit his throat.
1: Mm, that'd be hard considering he's on the East Coast. Literally. Yeah,
0: no, I'll just wait until Gen Con when I see him again, but... <laughs> Uh, for how do you, um, how do you normally interact with players on SPJ?
1: Players, it's going to be strictly through the support channels. So um, as you know, as a GM on the platform, only GMs, um, verified GMs are allowed to be in the Discord community. So if a player needs help, they'll reach out to support. And that is pretty much the only way that we interact with them.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Now let's get into the tea. We have a preliminary Mm. amount of stuff. Mm. Now let's get into the real tea. What (laughs) trends do you see leading to dissatisfied game masters and players? Let's start with game masters.
1: Ooh, yeah. Um... There's a few things. The main thing that I see leading to dissatisfied GMs is a lack of knowledge. So what I've noticed is that a lot of GMs that are really struggling have not taken our onboarding, for example. And, you know, I'm fairly certain you have and many of the GMs on our platform have, but it's a really great way to get up and running because both Hunter and Devin who are great GMs in their their own right, um, give not only, you know, uh, how to get going on the site, but it, they're also really great people to get um, advice from just how to do jamming online. Because many of the GMs that do come to us are not, they're not used to doing things online or through TTRPGs and TTRPGs, sorry, through VTTs and things like that. So um, it's, I'm finding that the dissatisfaction on the GM side comes from a giant gap in knowledge that they're not super sure how to fill. So that would be kind of the first thing. The second thing is not understanding the trends, just customers in general. So any person who works in like a B2C type <laughs> um, entity knows that there's going to be, depending on what field you're in, obviously if you're like in retail, then the Christmas season is absolutely insane. But during holidays for place like, you know, play, people like us or people like, um, game masters there's going to be a trend of during the holidays the the business kind of slows down a little bit and folks who are let's say trying to get started this month in december are like hey i don't understand why i'm not getting a lot of players and it's because it's nearly christmas time and people are planning to go visit family and traveling and and all kinds of things so um Those are kind of the two biggest things that I see when it comes to GM dissatisfaction. On the other side, with player dissatisfaction, it kind of goes hand in hand with GMs not really um, understanding how the platform works or not understanding how online gaming, I guess, works, maybe not online gaming, but how to be a game master online. Some of those examples will be, um, you know, we get a lot of players, my GM never showed up to the game. And when we look into it, it's the GM's brand new on the site. They maybe didn't see the message that the player had joined and didn't cancel the game or didn't reach out to the player at all. And so those are the kinds of things that you'd learn how to do if you took the, the GM onboarding. There are some other things as well, like, but it's mostly personality clashes i would say like you know not every player is good for every gm and vice versa um and so making sure that we're we're able to get those matches well i think okay. is a good thing yeah
0: yeah um What would you say is like probably the most common thing that you deal with on a daily basis then is just GMs reaching out to you and trying to understand how the platform works?
1: I would say there's kind of two categories. There's our safety category, which is both GMs and players reaching out if some sort of safety issue has happened. And those are anything from someone was being racist, someone's cyberbullying, you know, someone is... Uh, just making someone else feel uncomfortable, uh, basically going against any of those terms of services, uh, not terms of services, I'm sorry, our code of conduct, um, right. So there's that kind of that category of things, which does take a lot of energy because we, if anyone is ever accused of any of those things, we want to make sure that we're really digging in, doing an investigation, making sure that all of the information is accurate and then taking appropriate like steps towards rectifying the situation, banning a person if it needs be, that type of a thing. And then the other side is um, just kind of, you know, both players and GMs being like, hey, how? insert random thing here, you know, how do I skip a game uh, that I'm not going to be able to make next week? You know, like, how do I add a friend for free if I'm a GM? Like that kind of a thing.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, all this stuff covered in FAQ. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember um, there being, and you'll have to, of course, be because you're a company person, very diplomatic about how you answer this, but uh, you know exactly where I'm going. Um, There was at one point some disagreement. Uh, I think in the SPG community, uh, earlier this year about whether or not safety tools should be required. And I remember having a discussion with one of the GMs who had apparently run Curse of Strahd for, I don't know, he they claimed like fifteen, sixteen times and had didn't even know what a safety tool was. Um and was, you know, in not in compliance with SPG's code of conduct because of that. And there was a lot of people, mostly old GMs, who didn't like to be told what to do uh, coming out of the woods to tell me that they should not be forced to use safety tools if it doesn't work for them. But could you sort of elaborate how the safety structure and the policies evolved on SPG over time? If you don't mind going into that?
1: Yeah. So first I want to say, like, let's not be ageist. It's not necessarily old people. It's just um, people who maybe don't understand understand why safety tools are important. Um, so, um, and you know this, but for the audience, like safety tools um, on start playing are a necessity. Like it is required to have at least one um, as of right now. Um, that may change in the future. We're, you know, deliberating, debating, um, or maybe there's a certain set that we're going to require, but that's, we'll we'll figure that one out. But as of right now, you have to have at least one safety tool of the list of, I believe there's 12. This was before my time at SPG, but when we first started, um, there wasn't, there weren't any safety tools that were required. There was a list that you could have have if you'd like. Um, but over time there were many, many issues that popped up um, that were safety issues. So, you know, n- we don't know anybody's trauma, and so sometimes things would pop up, horror would happen. <laughs> um, and that was the reason that we uh chose to have um safety tools be required because there were so many safety issues popping up that we couldn't keep up with them at all. So by the time that I came around, there was already the rule of you have to have one safety tool. Um, and we decided that it's, it's in our terms of service that you have to have at least one. And if you don't want to use safety tools, that's fine, but you just can't be on our platform, right? Like you can probably be a great GM not using safety tools. I'm sure there are those people that are out there and there's those players that are for those tables, but that just doesn't belong in our community.
0: Yeah. And I guess from a liability and customer satisfaction, like retention standpoint, it really does not make sense to take a chance on these gms who are not using safety tools
1: well it's it's definitely like on the business side like the retention has gotten significantly better on both the gm side and the player side since the requirement has been established um but we we're truly looking at it on more of a human perspective and we want to make sure that everyone in our community feels safe you know like as as a like BIPOC (laughs) bi woman myself, like, there have been certain things that I have have had to deal with, like, you know, just within the community uh, itself, people sending me rude messages and things like that. I'm able to deal with it because of you know the own my own strength that I've found over the years. But I want to make sure that that's not something that's happening constantly to our GMs or our players um, on our platform.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it. I think it's difficult, especially for uh, marginalized people, just as um, especially people of color from an outsider's perspective to see them attempting to navigate along a lot of these issues in acquiring um players a majority of which just by virtue of the fact that most people are playing ttrpgs online and who are paying for them are white right that's the majority of the 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 player base um from what i understand i don't think you take statistics but that's just based on me like looking at the data of who plays these things you don't take statistics right of that sort of thing
1: we we don't ask what what the race is so i don't have data right. on that at least for within our community other right. people different parties i'm sure that we could yeah. gather.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's especially difficult. Um, and based on uh, my interaction with a lot of these GMs of color who have either been in my uh, my cohort um, where we did some mentorship and I uh, helped them get established and everything like that. It can be really difficult and a very big culture shock um, for people of different backgrounds coming together at a table. I'm trying to be super professional <laughs> right now. I hope you're fucking proud of me for how professional yeah, i have been I'm right sure. now. <laughs> people of different backgrounds that uh come to play at the same table and that's somewhere that happens at spg i think for someone and i was kind of curious because i was talking to someone in chat uh i wanted to edit i wanted to talk about a curiosity that happened there's a there's a veteran um admiral um he's called like the admiral that's his tag or whatever mm-hmm. um brody and um <clears throat> he advertises for veterans specifically and, like military people he said that he has like over half of his players are veterans and i was like oh that's amazing that's great um so has created like this ecosystem this community of people who are very interested in playing with him because you know he was he's a retired um navy guy and he just provides a good space for people to like sort of feel that sort of connection again and i thought that was really interesting because i specifically advertise for queers and i have Mm -hmm. over half of my players are queers i have one straight table um and um I don't even know if they're straight anymore. I think uh, I think a queer has joined their table. But um, <laughs> majority queer. One majority queer table. And I think it's interesting, SPG, just as a uh, host and as a community builder, you can really zero in on the type of player, generally, that you are looking for. mm mm-hmm. And given enough time with your advertisements and your fostering of a community, you really can build that up. As of this recording, I'm like near 300 people in my Discord community, only a a fraction of which are my players, but almost all of them came from SPG, not anywhere else. So yeah, it's it's nuts. Uh, (laughs) But and I don't like post my Discord really anywhere except for like people that either work with me or spg dms or people that uh you know sign up for my patreon but um it's kind of it's it's pretty cool and then i see um other gms like um matt who created like a kind of like a critical role fan community in his server and that's what he used to run almost exclusively was like 10 games of like critical role no fancy advertisement no nothing just like hey have a game in exandria and you know was just killing it at the number one spot for like the past year he goes against everything that i teach but i love him for it
1: so <laughs> uh, it works it works um
0: what sort of trends do you see from reviews that come in because there is that option for players to review gms what sort of things do you see crop up quite a bit
1: like on the positive side or the negative side (laughs)
0: let's do both
1: on the positive side um what i've seen is like when when someone finds a good fit oh it's amazing and you like most gms have found kind of their sweet spot of the type of player they like hosting for um and so because of that you know you gave your example of most of your tables are are queer and so being able to um kind of cater to those types of of like customer bases um is definitely working for you guys because the the positive reviews that come in you know they'll we'll see everything from you know this gym was super creative and like they made me feel really safe or like I feel like I finally found a like a a group that I can play with long term which as everyone knows in the TTRPG space is like the thing that's super hard to do absolutely heartwarming to see these things come in and you know like I'm so proud of all of our GMs and it's just like tiny baby clap Um, and then kind of the opposite side um, there's kind of two two things one is there are not good fits which is definitely going to happen especially if you're a very new GM that's coming out and you're still trying to figure out how to advertise yourself for the type of players that you want to have, so in those cases, we'll get some negative jam reviews that are just like, "Yep, that game wasn't for me." Like, hope hope they do well, but I'm not coming back. Um, type of a thing, which I don't even understand why you would leave a review at that point. Um, but all the way to the very negative, where it's like, if a very negative review comes in that seems to have some sort of safety issue in, we'll have to kind of check that out, um, you know. So an example will be like, you know, the GM let racist things happen or, you know, they let a, a, a grape scene happen or something like that. And it's just kind of, oh, sorry, I've been on TikTok too much <laughs>
0: I, I was like a grapeseed oh oh that was the that was the journey that my face made okay
1: it was a good face journey okay. um but yeah, so uh, the uh, it's a wide parameter <laughs> of the types of reviews that come in, um, both heartwarming and um, you know a little worrying. But that's why I'm working to make sure that you know people the the amount of those types of negative views coming in are are starting to trend down, and I hopefully become zero. I mean, probably never will it become zero, but trending right. down. To- where I don't have to deal with it every day and like you know maybe <laughs>
0: um that is that the dream um
1: That is the dream is no negative reviews about anyone ever but you know right are, a real thing that are valid so <laughs>
0: Yeah, I get. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think that the let me formulate my thought mm-hmm. real quick. There's something interesting and reciprocal about a player providing a review to a GM that demonstrates that they are validating that it's worth that it's worth money, that it's worth the experience, that it's worth the cost, mm-hmm. and they're continued. And I have found that most people who leave me a review continue to play with me for a long. Long period of time, Uh, as opposed to people who I see do not review me. They tend to not. Very rarely do I get a review from a player after like five sessions normally by then they've given me a review Mm -hmm. within month one month because if i get a new player i say at the end of every session i do my review spiel but (laughs) um and i and i do that call to action but yeah there's something there's something about it and i think it plays into the greater like strategy that you could embrace really as a gm and building these communities is focusing on how can i bring value to someone to cause them to write a very positive review. And not all the time are my reviews simply based on stuff that happens uh, in the game. Sometimes it's just being a good host or just being a person that is... um, friendly. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to be their friends. I end up kind of being, I guess I am friends with most of my long term players, because I think that just naturally occurs. But it would be like the same thing as if someone was making friends with like the gym owner at the gym that they go to, you're still paying the membership to be there. Yeah, but you know what I mean? So I've seen or heard about, unfortunately, and you'll have to be diplomatic about this. I've seen and heard about not too many times. Well, once is too many, but like more than once, let's just say, of other GMs who did either not understand the boundaries of other people or who fil- flagrantly stepped over the boundaries of other people um, and were very poor hosts and just generally um very rude and or to my players. A lot of players, I think, play in multiple GMs games in SPG because they're just looking for games until they find that like specific GM that they love. Um, and sometimes you don't offer something that that particular player is looking for. So how often do you see players sort of migrating between GMs? Do you have that kind of data available to you?
1: Yeah. So I'll start off by saying not everyone can be a professional GM. Because maybe you're the forever GM for your group, um, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be a good professional GM. There is a, a bit of a business mindset that comes with it, as you you know very well, um, that there is a certain customer service aspect that needs to happen um, in order to be a good GM. And not everybody knows how to do that, um, which isn't the end of the world. It's definitely something that can be learned. Um, and there are a number of GMs that will reach out to me to be like, hey, like this happened. How could I have it have it not happen again and i end up giving like a baby customer service lesson but what we're seeing um there's actually kind of two types of like well there's more than two types of players but for this question there's kind of two types of players there's the ones that they want to find a group they want to find like that community they want to find like those friends that we're gonna play a two-year-long campaign with and those are the players that are definitely hopping kind of from gm to gm And not necessarily playing in a whole bunch all at once, but they'll play with one GM for maybe three or four sessions, decide it's not for them, hop to a different GM, play with that person for a few sessions, and then eventually find that one. That they're just, they're there, like, and they're there until the, the campaign ends, I suppose. Um, and then there's kind of the other side, which are people who just want to play. And they don't really care who they're playing with. Um, so those will be the folks that are playing with, you know, five or six different GMs doing one shots. Um, like, I, I'm super impressed that they're able to spend that much time playing. I wish that I could. <laughs> um but uh, those are kind of the two things that we're seeing. So it's uh, it's very interesting data to me to kind of just see the the juxtaposition between those who are like, no, I want my family, and those that are like, I just give, just give me a fun few hours kind of attitude. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I think that kind of plays into general business strategy that is often recommended from the long timers at S P G, and not just me. It's like you find your your niche that you really cater to very hard, and those are going to be the people that fill out your your new games. They're going to be Mm -hmm. the first two or three people in your new time slot in your new campaign. You're going to have um, those people advocate for you, perhaps bring their friends in. They're going to create a good atmosphere of culture at your table. They're going to help new players um, generally. They're going to be uh, very involved in what you're doing and getting excited about the game. No better way to create a great experience than to already have players who are very invested in the game at at the table already. And I think that the other players you can always appeal to, but if you have Built a niche where you specifically appeal to people who want to stay with you long term. I think your business is really gonna suffer seasonally, especially. And I know that mine has suffered over the year seasonally and it's gone a little bit an up and down here, mm-hmm. depending on um, you know, it went into a slump over the summer. I of course took that week off for Gen Con, which I don't necessarily regret. It was great <laughs> to go drinking with the SPG team. But um
1: it was fun having you. <laughs> Yeah, we got our cool album cover picture.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, we looked pretty hot. Um, but uh, <laughs> overall, though, I think you need to hit both sides. Like you need to bring immediate value to those people who are looking for a high quality experience when they first try you out and they may mm-hmm. be joining a campaign in progress. But then you also have to cater to people who are looking for that pseudo friend experience, um, mm-hmm. which I think is what everybody's looking for if they're joining a club or a community. You're joining a martial arts gym or you're joining a gym or something like that, then generally you're there also to talk with other people sometimes, you know?
1: Yeah, well... It, so it's actually kind of interesting. Our, um, so this is like very, very business side, but there's a there's a really great book. Um, it's called The Advantage by Patrick Lynchioni, where he kind of goes on this whole, like, why does your business exist? If you can't answer that, maybe you got some thinking to do, like that kind of a thing. And the reason that we decided, like, like Start Playing exists, people find that belonging. We've all gone through that lonely, especially with the pandemic, that kind of lonely, like I want to find like those, those people that I feel safe with, that I can have fun with. Um, kind of like the, the way I always think about it, and this is going to like maybe show my age, but like, like uh, how I felt in high school, you know, I had my group of friends that we right. hung out with all the time and it was, it was yay. Or maybe in college, maybe you had a group of friends, maybe.
0: <laughs> um, I- I only went to college for one semester before I joined the military, but you know I went to college online after that, so I, I can't relate. <laughs> I can't talk about that.
1: Okay, okay. Um, we'll talk about it in private. Yeah, uh, yeah. But um, but yeah. So like the the entire reason that our company was founded was for people who have a hard time finding that community to be able to find it. And in our case, we all just happen to absolutely adore TTRPGs. And so that was the medium that we chose to to run with it. Um, so I'm actually really hoping that people are finding that sense of community and finding those, those close friends and, and things like that, even though it is a, a paid exchange.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the time... Uh, when players end up leaving a campaign, at least for my community, like a lot of time they stick around within the community and like they're just waiting for when they're um situation changes where they can rejoin and um a different campaign or they can start a campaign with some of the other friends that they know from the server and that's fine too i had to cut off like professional gms from advertising on my server because i have like 200 fucking pro gms on my server because i'm like they're all like they're like sharks like circling my players right now and i'm just like leave them alone they don't want to play they're here for me bitch so uh anyway um yeah, because that gets out of hand. But uh, in general, I think people, if they're a- interacting regularly in the community, then they're going to stick around. There was a couple other points uh, pointed out by uh, Admiral Brody, actually, and I, it's just top of brain right now, so I'm I'm telling all of his advice to the wider world now. He mentioned that if players interact with your server daily, they are never going to leave your server, and I found that to be true myself. If you are engaging your players and they are posting in it pretty regularly, maybe like even even once every couple of days or once every three days, or they have inside jokes with like other players and stuff. Like it is very unlikely that they leave. And whether that be in like the public channels or like in the table channel, I think it's also an important part of you as the professional GM. You are a host. That is part of your job. It's not just running games. It's yeah. part of the job is being a good host. Yeah, whatever. Other... Go ahead. That.
1: Yeah, I just I just completely agree with that. There's like like I said before, there's this aspect of like customer service. Um, and when I say that, I don't it kind of has a negative connotation. Um, for those people who have been like, maybe in the retail world and things like that. But like, when I think about customer service, I really just think of like, what can I do to make folks like more comfortable and like happier. And that might just be my like, you know, little Midwestern farm girl attitude. But (laughs) it's, uh, it's gotten me to this point in my career. So it must be must have some validity to it.
0: (laughs) you're from the midwest
1: yeah i was born in ohio
0: oh i don't yeah, know maybe... i didn't move
1: to california until um high school i think
0: oh okay okay okay
1: yeah okay. so it's like i'm like mm, toe in both okay
0: thing. yeah i don't know that's now that you mention it though your kind of like attitude and personality does really fit a person and i don't even know if you're raised on a farm i assume not but like just I was. you were oh, okay yeah. okay i nailed it i nailed it nice um yeah, I was like, now that I was, now that you mentioned it, like Midwest, I was like, oh, I, I bet she was on a farm because she's like, I know what I need to do and I need to get it done because you're such a not an oh, what do you call that? You're you're a business bitch. So
1: I love it. Yeah. I need a
0: <laughs> um okay and what uh advice besides take the onboarding generally would you uh give to gms uh based on what you see as customer response to a lot of the pitfalls of jamming
1: oh that is an excellent question um aside from taking the onboarding honestly i would try to either asking me or you know reaching out to the GM community um but kind of asking um themselves like what are my Um, like my blind spots, right? So like, for example a lot of folks just like humans in general like don't take feedback very well. It's a weird thing that for some reason is ingrained in us and we get very defensive, you know, if somebody tries to tell us we're doing something wrong and that's, you know, it's a skill that can be acquired though. Like it you can you can acquire a skill of active listening and uh being able to feel your feelings but not let them take control of you and um you know, all the kind of standard business stuff so that you can like if somebody is telling you like, like, hey, that like the thing that you're doing is upsetting me instead of being like i don't care or getting defensive about it you can be like that's really interesting can you can you tell me more about like why that's bothering you or like what's going on here and you know maybe it's a blind spot of mine or maybe there's another way that i can think about something or or things like that um just kind of not being um like quote stuck in your ways um which is a pretty standard thing and it does take a lot of internal work to get past that but if If you can crack that code, I think that you'll very quickly jump to one of the One of the top spots because if you can make your players feel understood and feel heard, then like on top of you know finding your your niche and like finding you know just doing the actual like running games part, I think that that's going to be the the biggest ticket to success.
0: And we may cut this question because I don't know if you can answer this question uh, diplomatically. (laughs) Um, My question is: Do you personally notice a difference, um, femme identifying or non? uh masculine identifying gms on the website and the types of interactions that they have
1: what i actually see a lot for non-mask presenting gms players reaching out to them actually and requesting things that may not necessarily be the most appropriate some gms are like yeah that's fine i'm i'm totally fine like i'll run this type of game or or anything like that um but obviously, not everybody likes that. Um, I I actually have my own GM profile. I don't really run games on the on the site. It's mostly for um, testing purposes and things like that. But people like players will reach out to me and and maybe say things that are slightly inappropriate or um, you know request a type of game that I would never run. Um, that type of a thing. And what I'm seeing is that a lot of these. GMs are actually responding incredibly professionally. I don't want to say it's surprising, but but it's kind of surprising. Like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. You handled that so well before you reported it to me type of a thing where uh, if that happened to a different set GMs, uh, the response may not be as um, diplomatic, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And just for layperson's terms, for anyone listening, you're talking about people reaching out and requesting like oriented games from.
1: Yeah. That's, that's an example for sure.
0: Okay. 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 Yeah. Just stuff that's like, um, R rated or perhaps past people's lines. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I noticed, um, talking to some, uh, femme presenting GMs, um, and this is anecdotal, not anything to, uh, say that SPG would put out as, like, uh, wide trends. But I, at least, anecdotally, when I was talking to a lot of MGMs, they have a problem which this is no surprise to any women who run games. They do have a problem with, uh, masculine presenting people, um, attempting to either bully them, belittle Mm -hmm. them or, uh, speak negatively about them or just be in general, just very rude to them. Yeah. Yeah. Rude and aggressive. Yes. Mm -hmm. Rude and aggressive where, I mean, maybe this is partially my, like, uh, I call it my like trans privilege, right? I have Mm -hmm. the man of a voice. So when I am an authority figure, uh, people are less bothered by that I believe
1: yeah No, I, I understand that as as a, a woman who works in Silicon Valley in the tech industry it's a real thing it's an unfortunate thing um, uh, it I guess in the the positive light of it is it that it helps us grow a bit of a thicker skin and um, you know you eventually learn uh, ways to assert your authority. In a way that those types of humans can understand and can accept. Um, and it's a little unfortunate because you have to, there's certain things that you need to change about, for example, uh, how I speak, I'm sure you've noticed in very like tones, and I don't really talk up like I don't really talk in tones that make me sound like I don't know what I'm talking about Uh, (laughs) um and that was unfortunately a a thing that I had to adjust when I got into this field just to make sure that I am listened to uh when I'm in a room of like you know cis white homies (laughs) type of a thing which is you know the majority of folks that I work with um eventually that will (laughs) be the change you want to see kind of a thing (laughs) But yeah, I I hope that the them presenting GMs on our site are either learning the skill or are comfortable enough to come to me, at very least, um to help, you know, make sure that they're feeling safe. Uh, but I think that everyone does a pretty good job that what I've seen so far. I'm very, very proud of the community.
0: I think that in general, the culture has really changed since I have joined and become involved in the Start Playing Games Discord. Um, GM mm-hmm. Chat and GM Help is radically different than mm-hmm. the way that I remember it. And maybe this is rose-colored lenses or like the opposite of rose-colored lenses where like now they're rose-colored. Um <laughs> Like they've tinted over time. But yeah, it's a lot friendlier and like helpful for people, I think, in general nowadays. And maybe that's just like a overall community shift or what have you. But I've been really happy with the change in the community as far as like helping each other along and understanding that we're not just fishing in the same small pond. It's a massive market. Yeah,
1: it's an absolutely huge market. And I I agree. I do think that since I started back in May, there has been a shift how the community interacts with each other. I do recall um, when I first started, uh, when I first started kind of um, moderating within the community, because obviously, Devin used to be in charge of that. And so when I uh, took over as head of customer, that slowly trickled over to me. And um, I mean, yeah, I I did help try to uh, foster that type of community, but it was much, much easier because a lot of the jams on there clearly already wanted to have that. And so it was met with a lot of kind of welcome. And so In the beginning, there was actually a lot of, I don't, it has such a negative connotation, but like tattling. Like people would message me and be like, hey, there's something happening in the gin, like chat. Can you please, like, go look at it? I'm like, yes, yes, I will. People um,
0: tattling on me.
1: uh, I mean, there were a few. There were a few. But, um, know, not, not just you, like, you know, you know, there, I mean, you've seen it, there have been some Mm -hmm. times where people are just like, like, "Mm, that was really inappropriate. Let's go ahead and take a step back. Let's take a breather, guys.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Whenever, whenever you're coaching me, or is like explaining, like, hey, maybe don't do that. I always feel like you're not punishing me so it's you know i imagine that if there was anyone in that role at spg you've definitely done i suppose the best job to give people the softest ball i suppose to catch um (laughs) i try if if they've got to like do a little bit of course correction and stuff and um i think that
1: those years of therapy (laughs) oh yeah, (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow, okay. I'm just going to sit with that for a moment. I actually have therapy next after this in a little bit. <laughs>
1: yeah. Honestly, like I know I know that it's kind of a a very Silicon Valley thing. Um like it it's it's like a Oh yeah, no, my I have my therapist talk to your therapist and I'm like, hmm. but I know that it's a very um it's not a widely adopted thing. Um but I do believe in my soul that therapy is great and amazing for everyone like you don't even have to have a problem you can just like just to have someone to talk to so like having your own therapist having a couple's therapist even if you're not having troubles like is it opens the kind of world to you where you can become a better person, even if like, there's, like, there's always room for growth, right? And so the having that person who is one able to listen to you sit and bitch for a minute, because maybe that's just what you need. But they're also the kind of person depending on obviously what you need. But they're also the kind of person that can be like, well, Maybe if you think about it this way and you're like, oh, man, yeah, I didn't I didn't even think about it that way. Dang. All right. Cool, 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 cool. You can actually use that in your business.
0: Absolutely. Um, and for less, you know, less shock value than this is like the way that I use it. I talk about my therapy sessions. experience. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I talk about a lot of stuff with my players that I don't recommend that people do. However, that's what I do. That's my business model. That's whatever Mm. works for me. Um, Okay. And with that being said, um, I did want to open the floor up. If you had anything that you wanted to
1: talk about at the end of our
0: uh, podcast today. Um, Let me think on
1: that a sec. When is this going to be aired?
0: Um, I'm going to release it one of these Fridays, probably December 28th, I think is the date that's in mind, but okay. I'm going to have to check.
1: Then I'll, I'll, I'll skip that. I was going to, because if you were going to release it like this week, then I would have been like, just, you know, holidays. And- don't be discouraged. And, blah. um, but it'll basically be after holidays.
0: Um, you could talk about January because I think that's when everybody should be ramping up probably.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So really the, the thing that I would want to leave everyone with is that, you know, if you're thinking about becoming a professional GM on Star playing, really just lean in on the community. Like, you know, people are more than willing to help. Um, and, you know, don't forget to to take that onboarding because it is absolutely crucial to be able to, you know, not fumble around with the tech and things before, like, while you're still also trying to figure out your marketing strategy.
0: Right. And read the FAQ. Yeah,
1: that would be great. I spent a lot of time writing those.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't do it because you'll, your business will be better. Do it because you want to make sure that you don't hurt Shireen's feelings.
1: There's videos. I recorded them. You can see my beautiful face. <laughs>
0: And on that note, thank you so much, Shireen, for stopping by.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.